0: topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitian's Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu.
1: Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. This is episode 63 and today we are talking about a topic that has been very buzzworthy lately and one that we get a ton of questions on from our clients as well as participants in our virtual ketosis program we're talking about intermittent fasting. So you may have heard of this in the paleo community or maybe from a personal trainer or fitness instructor, and it's really used as a tool to accelerate body fat loss. So today we're going to cover some of the major do's and don'ts of fasting and have listeners decide for themselves whether it's it's right for them. Um, but before we jump in, Allie, what are your updates?
2: So, hey everyone, (laughs) Uh, we're really excited to jump into this topic, and as Becky said, there's kind of different uh, flavors for different individuals, and during the times of the season, you might find that fasting is something that agrees with you, you may find during certain hormonal influencing times that it's a good thing for you, or it doesn't work so well for you, so we'll talk definitely about that. And as she also alluded to, it's a huge tool that we use within our ketogenic program, and uh, we are selling spaces in the virtual ketosis program for 2018 the uh 50 off offer will go through january 2nd and the code for that is keto 2018 so it's just k-e-t-o 2018 and you add that coupon to your cart upon checkout And this applies to both the $199 bundle package, which also includes the Eat Fat, Get Skinny and Ketogenic Kickstart ebook, as well as just the virtual uh, participant ticket, which is $169. So for just an extra $30, you save an extra, I think, 9 or $5 on the Keto Ebook Bundle. So I definitely recommend doing that. And with the $50 off, it's only $149 instead of $199. So we hope you guys will join us. It's an awesome program. We have seen amazing benefits. And um, we'll be talking about it more and more and more to come as we go towards the tail end of the year. But fasting is just one of the many tools that's utilized within this type of a program. And uh, we're going to talk about how beyond weight loss and fat burn, it can definitely be a tool for whole body health.
1: Awesome. So, Allie, let's start off today with just the basics on intermittent fasting. So let's define intermittent
2: fasting for listeners and also talk about how it's done. Sure. So when we're looking at the idea of intermittent fasting, it's, as simple as simple and dumbed down as it can be, it's it's just not eating for periods of time, not consuming food. And the issue is in the American diet and really in you know our Uh, westernized civilization we are in almost a chronic overfed state as our norm and you know we're looking at now taco bell and certain fast food restaurants uh, doing the fourth meal or you may be told by a personal trainer to eat every three hours even if you aren't hungry because it's good to keep your metabolism revved up and we're learning more and more actually with journal of metabolism and different influences on endocrinological influence and hormone response that when we're constantly in overfed, that can really exhaust our insulin response. And it can drive excessive body fat, and it can hinder our blood sugar metabolism as well as our body fat metabolism so we're realizing that the more we stimulate the body with food the less functional the body is at using food as fuel appropriately it's almost like we abuse those patterns and and mechanisms and so we're going back to another trend of more ancestralized health if you will of more of these maybe hunter-gatherer rituals where there was more of a feasting and a fasting, where when food was abundant, it was consumed. And, and we'll talk about that today, too. I'm not a huge fan of, of feasting ad-lib, per se. But that concept of when food was readily available, it was consumed. And then, ancestrally, some would, individuals would go upwards of two days uh, rationing small amounts of higher fat, Uh, and nourishing small bites to really get through or doing long-term 36-hour fast without food at all um, and just relying on, on water and such. And so we are understanding when we look at connections of our adrenals and our stress access, as we've discussed before, either being in that fight or flight Or rest and digest mode and I think that the issue metabolically with the uh, American population and obesity is that two-part we're both in a constant fight-or-flight mode and that is adding insult to injury when it's also paired with a constant fed mode awesome okay so when we have constant exposure
1: to food though this can be a little bit more challenging than it was for our ancestors who just you know, it wasn't in front of them. They weren't running into a grocery store every time they ran out of something or they didn't have stores on the shelves. Right. Um, So let's talk about the benefits and why we'd wanna do this in the first place.
2: Sure. So the benefits of fasting starting on a a metabolic level is we can see a big improvement on our sexual hormones and our metabolic hormones with an increase of HGH. So I'm sure that a lot of you heard about the buzz. It's kind of died out because a lot of the HGH supplements or uh, drops in that type of a diet have been passed to be no more effective than a placebo, but there was potential raises of HGH based on the fact that those diets were only 600 calories, so they were upregulating, in some sense, fasting to one level, but the, the human growth hormone can play a big benefit on our metabolic processes. Um, it helps to increase activity in the tissue that burns calories and also can help to create our sexual hormone balance. So it can help also with things like testosterone production which further than supports musculature. Um, and so that's one of the big benefits that we see. Another thing more on a neurological level, which is where we see a lot of the exciting research, is on stem cell regeneration. We can actually see increased cellular function, and it, it it kind of is driven by this process called autophagy, where as morbid as this sounds, your own body's cells basically eat away at the parts of the cells that are dysfunctional and recycle the parts that are able to be utilized and have this whole kind of cellular reset if you will and so we see this both helping with stem cell regeneration and also with cleaning out dysfunctional parts of the cell and um, increasing the expression of the functional elements of the cell. And this is where even we're seeing in up-to-date oncology research, the benefits of fasting, for instance, like post-chemotherapy infusion, participating in a 24-hour fast, because not only is the individual potentially nauseous, but they have a higher uh, increase of toxins in their bloodstream, and the fasting actually helps their body to upregulate the detox process versus the body being stressed by the metabolic process of breaking down nutrients and food. So, on a cellular level, that autophagy can help with cleaning up and increasing the function of cells, and then we're even seeing neuropathway uh, regeneration and shift. We're seeing a lot of research in advancements with Alzheimer's and dementia, and the benefits that fasting can actually reduce oxidation in the brain, as well as potentially in the cardiovascular system. So when we're talking about beta amyloid plaque or buildup uh, in our vessels, all of this can actually be benefited during fasting state when the body's able to do more of a self inventory and then clean up messes, if you will. Awesome, I think that breaks it down a little bit rather than that big
1: word, autophagy. Yes. Um. It's cleanup, right? Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, So let's, without getting too, too nerdy, let's dive into just a couple of um, research studies that are relevant here.
2: Sure. So there was one that I pulled by the Journal of Applied Physiology. And this looked at, and we'll put a link in the show notes, this looked at 80 men. And uh, it looked at intermittent fasting every second day for 20 hours, for 15 days. So every other day, they fasted for a 20-hour window. And they found that there was enhancement in insulin sensitivity. So this is the opposite of insulin resistance. And we do know, bar none, that that's one of the most beneficial influences of fasting. So fasting really helps, again, if you think of insulin, insulin as ringing a doorbell on the body's metabolism of like, food is here, food is here, when you stop overstimulating and there was resistance of someone not opening the door based on that signal, that's kind of what the insulin resistance is seen as. Well, if you stop overstimulating the doorbell, if it's silent, all of a sudden the doorbell rings, we're going to respond to that more readily. And so that's kind of a good visual of how insulin sensitivity can definitely be enhanced with the intermittent fasting or using fasting as a tool. There was also seen in these eighty men uh, adipose tissue changes uh, that actually demonstrated uh, influence of adiponectin, which adiponectin is a component that plays a big role in our metabolism, and uh, it can play a role with hand-in-hand leptin and fasting. So we see that leptin can play a big role with satiation and can tell us that we're full or satisfied. And leptin also can be influenced by uh, overconsumption of carbohydrates, just like insulin can. So that's one of the benefits we see when we use fasting as well, is that we can get more leptin sensitivity. But just like anything, too much of a good thing can be bad and and that's where in the ketogenic community and the keto diet that we run, we do incorporate after a tight four months or six months of ketosis without any carbohydrates at all, we may encourage a little bit of carb cycling because we can actually go from leptin resistance and excessive leptin to leptin depletion, and then um, that's where we can get hunger again, when the body doesn't read that, that leptin as satiating. So in this study, over this period of time, though, there was beneficial outcomes with both adiponectin, which plays a role with our gray fat, that thermogenic activity, and leptin as far as satiation. And those are basic survival mechanisms to help us from uh, surviving during that, that fasting state. Awesome,
1: and then we were just talking offline about how the majority of studies really though are are still animal studies that are available on intermittent fasting. Yes. Um, So I also pulled one on a mouse model in Alzheimer's just to kind of demonstrate some of the neurological benefits as well. Okay. Um, And so these animals, these mice were given either an ad lib diet, a calorie restricted diet to about 40% of their requirement daily, Or they were intermittent fasted every other day. And so at 10 months of this study, um, both the calorie restricted and the intermittent fasted mice um, demonstrated more cognitive um, enhancement and more exploratory behavior in a maze activity than those that were fed ad lib. But then at 17 months, the intermittent fasted mice kind of took off and actually performed better on their goal-related tasks. And then were also seen to have lower levels
2: of plaques in the brains and tau proteins that can contribute to Alzheimer's. Awesome. So, in the beginning, the calorie restriction and intermittent fasting were seen to be paired, but then it really accelerated the intermittent fasting over calorie restriction. Exactly. Okay, cool. And I think that does pair more with the way that we use this uh, as a tool in clinical practice and, and personally as well, as far as it being kind of a cycling approach and thinking of it again as kind of taking out the trash on a cellular level in the body and giving the body time to do its wonderful mechanisms of action uh, within its, its capabilities and, and not overstimulating, giving it the time to do the work per se.
1: Awesome. I think that's a really good way to summarize it. Um, So what about before we jump into different types of fasting and and how we see it, um, what about misunderstandings or ways that we see fasting misused? Let's talk about that.
2: Well, I think one of the things that makes a lot of people especially medical practitioners and dieticians, kind of gun-shy, if you will, of using fasting as a tool is the fact that it can often be misperceived in a binge and restriction cycle. So a lot of times when we think of clinical eating disorders there is a a very tight calorie restriction approach and then often a binge episode and then some form of purging whether the purging is through excess exercise or the purging could actually be vomiting or use use of laxatives or in some eating disorders there there is no purging there's just then tighter restrictive cycle. So that concept of, I can eat whatever I want, I'm just gonna fast it off, per se, uh, is not how we recommend using this. And uh, it it can definitely drive more metabolic dysfunction in the body, especially if we're going into a chronically underfed state on a regular basis. As we saw with MI study, short-term use of calorie restriction can work, but it's really about using the fasting as a tool and not over time ongoing caloric restriction, which can be distressing to the body. And, and, and now caloric restriction can also be interpreted, we're talking about to a starvation mode, which is significantly lower than metabolic rate for an extended period of time, not just a restriction to meet your metabolic rate or such. So I think that's a big misunderstanding. And I think uh, listening to Dr. Jason Fung, who's really the master, and maybe you could look up the name of his book on fasting. He has two um, and, and he has the, I believe it's Institute of Metabolism. Um, But he does clinical observed fasts in his programs, and he has a book specifically on fasting, and it's all research referenced and fantastic. But he uses this reference of, you know, washing your hands and practicing good hygiene doesn't make you a hypochondriac or doesn't make you OCD um, about OCD behavior could be excessive hand washing, but washing your hands doesn't make you OCD, if that makes sense. So, same thing. Practicing intermittent fasting could be a technique that's misused or overabused with an eating disorder individual, but does not create an eating disorder. Does that make sense? That totally makes sense. <laughs>
1: and his book is called The Complete guide to fasting. Awesome. His website also has a ton of really good videos and presentations about fasting, so I'll link
2: to that in the show notes for anyone who's looking to really take a deep dive into this subject. Cool. And and so I think that that is a misunderstanding that it it, it creates eating disorder. I don't think it creates an eating disorder by any means. I think that the eating disorder individual is an individual that should not practice fasting, right? <laughs> so that means that it could evoke more unhealthy food relationships for someone that doesn't have a healthy relationship with food. So it's good to be mindful of if you do use fasting. If you're telling yourself and watching the clock and saying oh I can make it three more hours you know that's not being intuitive and that's overworking the signals of your body of hunger and that's not going to be likely as beneficial for the body as if it comes and feels very natural to the body so so again I think that's one of the biggest misunderstandings and it can also be misused if we aren't watching our total carbohydrate consumption so if we are fasting from a high carbohydrate diet um, and we're going from excessive Insulin resistance, yes, it will still help with insulin sensitivity, but we're going to deal with a lot of dips of hypoglycemia because there's a lot of insulin in the bloodstream. And so, if there's excessive insulin in the bloodstream, that's going to create a dynamic drop of blood sugar. And it takes anywhere between 12 to 24 hours for the liver to uh, kind of wring out the glycogen or the blood sugar storage in the liver. And at 24 hours post time of fasting, that's when it kind of equals out. And people could kind of come into more of a balanced approach, regardless of where their their preemptive diet was. But most people don't fast for more than 24 hours. Most people are trying to do a 16 or an 18 hour fast. And for those individuals, it would not behoove them to go from a high glycemic standard American diet into a 16 or 18 hour fast. It's only if those individuals are going to be doing a medically monitored fast, prolonging 24 hours, that they'll actually get benefit. So for those of us to use fasting as a balance tool, I would highly advise that we are fat fuel adapted, already able to make ketones. We've already restricted our carbohydrates and taught the body how fat can be used as fuel. And then even if we're going for more of a low glycemic diet and using fasting as a tool, that would work just fine. But I would definitely recommend the intro and outro days of your fast should be the lowest of your low glycemic approach so that it's not as much of a jump into cold water per and the body is more functional at the available high-octane fuel of ketone bodies versus having a kind of bad transmission in the car, shifting from high glucose and and not understanding how to use ketones as fuel.
1: Yeah, I love that visual of of kind of that shift in and out or visual of like a pendulum and swinging from kind of one side to the other. Absolutely versus trying to keep that pendulum somewhere, you know, controlled in the middle when we're fasting.
2: Absolutely. And you know, clinically, I used to never recommend fasting for individuals that were low glycemic. And I kind of made that rule across the board. And I even have a, a blog article out there about when to use intermittent fasting. And I'm thinking of doing some revisions to that because I'm starting to find that it could be used as a tool for some individuals, but that's when it gets really specific to that uh, person. And across the board, I would still have the stance that fasting is the most functional for someone that is fat fuel adapted or using ketones. So people in ketosis have the most successful outcomes of fasting and the least uh, organ stress on their body.
1: Awesome. So um, let's talk about different types of fasting now, Ali, because I know we recommend in our Keto program um, using Keto Coffee, but I've heard of other types of fasting as well. Yeah.
2: So fasting in general is uh, looked at in a caloric restriction or timing. And when we use it in our program, we do both. So we pair both caloric restriction with a timing restriction. And generally speaking, caloric restriction is looking at like less than 600 calories a day, which is really to the point of what we used to say, kind of a starvation mode. And when I do caloric restriction paired with timing, I stay above that less than 600. And that's where I think we start to get negative influence. So we generally are looking at about 800 calorie restriction and the timing of either a 16.8 or an 18.6. And so the first number is the amount of time without food. The second number is the fed time. So sixteen eight would look like from 8 p.m. until noon that following day. So you'd have your last meal completed by 8 p.m. And then you'd go to sleep at whatever time you do. You could sip on water in the evening wake up, you might do just a, a water fast during that sixteen eight, and then at noon, you'd break your fast, um, and that's when you'd have your first meal or a snack to ease into it. And eighteen six would be going just a little bit longer, so maybe that would be 7 p.m. until 1. So, you know, we just added an hour on both ends of the spectrum there, and that'd be 18 hours without food, 6 hours with food. And then 24 hours, of course, <laughs> would be an entire day without food. And as far as without food and how that is identified, there's even a choose-your-own-adventure within that pattern so some individuals really advocate for a simply water fast which means just drinking water and potentially an electrolyte solution within the water we use in our ketosis program a fat fast which incorporates keto coffee or keto tea and so we're looking at incorporating Typically, something with MCT, I like to recommend coconut oil as a whole food versus just the MCT oil per se, Uh, but coconut oil and grass-fed butter or ghee, so we're getting a different blend of fatty acids there. And then we're also going to be getting a little bit of caffeine. And that fat can teach the body that fat is available as fuel. It can help with ketone productivity, especially with getting the MCT in the coconut oil that helps to produce ketones and uh, also gives us a little bit of energy from the caffeine. So that tends to work really well. Some individuals get jittery with that. Uh, They have hormonal imbalance with that and they need to add a little bit of protein there and that's where those individuals might add like a tablespoon of our grass-fed whey or a tablespoon of collagen. And that might be enough to keep them to use that as a fasting technique. And um, then there's also individuals that would do a bone broth fast. If they don't want to use coffee or tea, bone broth is going to have a little bit of protein, a good distribution of amino acids. It's going to have the benefits of, of course, collagen and gelatin. And then uh, some individuals, we we definitely would encourage playing with adding fats to the bone broth. So like pureeing in some turmeric and ghee in your fasting morning. There's also, Jimmy Moore brought to light the egg fast. And so that's another technique that some people will do is a couple days, two to three day egg, egg fast where they're just doing eggs, which are a blend of uh, highly absorbable fats and B vitamins and essential fatty acids and a little bit of protein. Um, so comparable to like the bone broth fast with ghee, but just a little bit different of a profile. And then, you know, there's modifications all across the board. And it really comes down to listening to your body. Um, technically, when I'm teaching in our virtual ketosis program, I like to say if we're gonna add something that isn't pure fat to our coffee or tea, that that's not technically fasting. So on a non-fasting day, if we wanted to use keto coffee and add a scoop of collagen and add a half scoop of grass-fed whey and some cinnamon and vanilla in there, uh, that would be then you know a a fed state. Um, But for those individuals that don't tolerate pure fat, and that's the closest they can get, it still is likely uh, easier on their system to process than breaking down cellulose fibers and um, whole foods because it is pre-masticated, pre-chewed, if you will, and easy to absorb or assimilate or use. Um, and that might be a technique that kind of stair steps you into the process. So generally speaking, to kind of clarify, Fasting is both a combination of caloric restriction and timing. I've had individuals try to do the 16:8 and still fit in all 1,200 or 1,600 calories, and that's not a good thing either because then you're constantly feeding during your fed state, and you don't want to necessarily be eating six hours straight either. Um, it's just that that's the only time you're allowed to have food consumption. Um, so it is a combination of both caloric restriction and timing. And then it may be just pure water during the timing that you're in a fasting mode. It may be fat fueled fasting, which would be like a keto coffee. It may be a mix of protein and fat as would be seen in your bone broth with ghee or the egg fast. And um, it really comes down to ensuring that we listen to our body. Uh, If we have negative response like shakes, jitters, anxiety, blood sugar crashes, uh, sweats, uh, vision changes, then these are all indications that this is not something that agrees with our body metabolically. And we have to find other ways to explore those beneficial outcomes.
1: I'm really glad you said that last part. And I think, you know, when we do our virtual ketosis program, for example, we will have individuals just start and get keto adapted or fat adapted for at least a week before they even mess with the intermittent fasting.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, again, like I said, different times of the year, different times of season, it'll agree differently. And a lot of times what sets up the most success or failure is how you step into the fast and how you break the fast. So often my answer is for those that are struggling with fasting is have more fat, have more fat, have more fat, because at least that is going to have less influence on insulin than protein and definitely than carbohydrates will.
1: Awesome. So- How about people who should not fast? I know we already mentioned eating disorder mentality or or past history of eating disorders, but let's talk about just kind of some of the barriers to fasting, how not to do it, and then who should not fast or not consider intermittent fasting.
2: So the who should not fast definitely would be, yes, anyone that is currently in recovery or active eating disorder. And then uh, definitely pregnant women, I don't recommend fasting. Again, organic fasting meaning taking time without eating within reason, but but clock watching fasting no, and I honestly don't even recommend that per se across the board. It's more about like listening to the signals of your body. And yes you can have structure of three days of fasting mornings and yes that is a plan but you don't want to overdrive the signals of the body Um, so pregnancy and eating disorder are not times to go into any form of calorie restriction or rigidity as far as when to not eat it's about signals of listening to your body and fueling your body and feeling safe with fueling your body also as far as medications are concerned there can definitely be some interactions with medications that are supposed to be taken with food, as well as drugs or medications that work as hypoglycemic agents. and That's the biggest category that we watch with fasting. So individuals that are on uh, oral hypoglycemics, like uh, glucophage or metformin, um, or are on insulin, of course, um, you know their units of insulin would be greatly adjusted or they would not even be taking a short-acting insulin on a fasting morning, because there's nothing for it to act on as far as glucose in the bloodstream. They may only be doing their long-dose insulin, and they may even be taking a fasting blood sugar and waiting until they break that fast, but that individual should definitely be monitored with a certified diabetes educator, and I would, as a stance, not recommend fasting for an insulin-dependent diabetic that isn't medically monitored. But with medical monitoring, we can see some awesome outcomes and reduced medication dosages over time. However, if taking the medication as prescribed, not a good fit. And then again, the biggest um, area of concern is those that are coming from a standard American diet, a high carbohydrate diet, they're going to get high reactivity of hypoglycemia because there's a lot of insulin circulating in their bloodstream. And so these individuals, when they wake up, they're going to be hungry. And that's the same example of why people say, oh, well... I decided to skip eating breakfast because when I eat breakfast, I'm so much hungrier. Those are people that are having cereal, banana, orange juice, you know, standard American carbs on carbs on carbs breakfast. And they're getting a dynamic glucose spike followed by a glucose crash because that excessive insulin dropped the glucose so low that now they're hypoglycemic, and they're getting those hunger signals. Um, And so anytime we're going from very high uh, blood sugar or a high carbohydrate diet, Again, after 24 hours of fasting, they're going to get benefits from it, but you know, to do more than a 24-hour fast, that also should be medically monitored. So in this type of recommendation, I would say people need to start adapting their diet to go low glycemic, and even furthermore, I'd recommend that they are keto-adapted and their body knows what fat as fuel feels like to get the benefits of fasting.
1: Awesome. I think that's super helpful. Um, So what about how to get started with all of this and and maybe any tips and tricks that you have for kind of, if fasting sounds like something that could work for listeners, how you would recommend diving in?
2: Yeah. So like I said, and it's kind of where you're at. And um, so being keto-adapted is definitely a tool, and that would mean that typically it takes about 72 hours, 36 to 72 hours, for an individual to really start to produce and use ketones as fuel. And that's generalized. You know, some people have other errors of metabolism. Some people have inflammation and, uh, or hormone imbalance, and those things can further hinder their process of getting keto-adapted. So for some individuals, it will take an entire week. And that's why often we say don't jump into keto with fasting, wait to bring that in until you are producing ketones and you're monitoring. So for keto-adapted individuals, we definitely recommend like three days consecutive of the 16 to 18 hour fasts. And uh, those days would look like maybe one protein shake, one meal, one snack, where they're breaking at noon or one, and um, you know then they're having that final meal in the evening. And then even for those individuals, they might during their their fasting window have a keto coffee or keto tea, and they may also have bone broth. So if they have a late night, we may encourage them to have bone broth at 10 p.m., if they're not going to bed until 1130. Or have a fat bomb, something of pure fat, the combination of uh, coconut oil and grass-fed butter with some flavor enhancers, if you will, um, like maybe lemon zest and uh, a a lemon extract. That would be a really nice kind of lemon meringue type deal. And so using a fat bomb would definitely be something that some individuals would use to get through their fasting period and and prevent hunger, but still get the benefit again of less of the insulin activity and um, staying still lower calories so they can get the benefits of the autophagy or that cellular recycling. So there, there can be many um, influential tricks and tools um but again higher fat during the time of fasting can help Um, you can play with just water and that would be fine as well but when you get a signal of hunger that's when i would then go for a little bit of fat and and be intuitive with with what works for your body
1: yeah and and that said you know when we are actually in keto and doing this fasting i think it's a lot easier to go without food because we may not be getting that hunger signaling. And then, yeah, keto coffee is a godsend when you're trying to get through or take the edge off of that fast.
0: Yeah,
2: well, and, you know, beyond that, ketones, having ketones in your bloodstream, ketones block your hunger signals. So you're coming from a place where you're not hungry, right? And so that's one of the beautiful elements of the quote-unquote keto high is that when you're running on this high-octane fuel and you're ready – preventing your muscle from wasting by having those ketones, and you already know that fat is this um, not unending fuel source, but for many people, there is a good amount of fuel on their body to use. Um, that really creates that satiety and makes this a sustainable behavior, and you know, we recommend consecutive days because that helps the body to get deeper into using the fattest fuel. So a lot of people do the intermittent fasting Monday through Wednesday, um, and some even extend it Monday through Friday, and then do fed state or more free uh, keto approach,ed lower carbohydrate, higher fat days on the weekends. Yeah, I've heard you describe it
1: as like a deep freezer or reaching into the body's deep freezer of fat when you're in keto
2: and fasting. Mm-hmm, hmm absolutely. It's the, the, the kind of better to use than the refrigerator, <laughs> which, which yes. is constantly, you know, we're adding and pulling out. That's the budget change of our metabolism. And that's where we get that set point. And that's where we can definitely have uh, breaks or plateau with our metabolism. Awesome. So, Allie, how do you fast? So I do the, the three consecutive days, generally speaking. Some weeks, I will do four or five. And I carb cycle, which is a whole other conversation, but I incorporate uh, carbohydrates in my diet uh, two times a month, at typically at minimum, there's every now and then a month where I'm feeling that I'm not wanting a carb cycle. And then there's sometimes a month where I'll carb cycle once a week. And it kind of just depends, honestly, on so many different factors. Um, But I do the fasting for a uh, 16 or 18 hour window and I do it with just fat. Uh, I do a keto coffee. And so mine is... uh, three teaspoons of coconut oil, one teaspoon of grass-fed butter, so a little bit heavier on the coconut oil. And then I've been on a jam of adding vanilla extract and cinnamon (laughs) to all of that. And then I still make the fat-fueled coffee on my non-fasting days, but I add in collagen and half a scoop of grass-fed whey, and I use that as more of a breakfast. And then I, I typically break with eggs like every day. Um, so if I'm if I'm adding the protein to my coffee, I might break with eggs a little earlier because that's not a fasting day, and I'd have the eggs at like 10 a.m. If it's a fasting day, I do wait, and I have the eggs at around 1, 1 p.m. And speaking of breaking fast, how do you
1: recommend, is that typically what you recommend to clients to break with protein? Yeah,
2: protein and fat. So that's why I like to do eggs and avocado or an arugula salad with eggs and uh, maybe a breakfast sausage or something like that. You definitely want to go into nourishing choices. And you, you know, when you're having carbohydrates in the diet, the best time to have carbohydrates is actually post-workout or uh, later in the day to get the benefit of the leptin resurge while you sleep. And they can actually help us to get into deeper sleep um, they can work beneficially with our melatonin um, so not the best thing to bring in in the middle of the day when you're breaking a fast uh, so definitely protein and fats so eggs with veggies and avocado uh, bone broth adding in some some pulled chicken in there and, as your protein source and, and vegetables in the bone broth um, or doing like a green smoothie with our grass-fed whey would be another really great trick but using maybe a little bit of fat in there with a nut butter or full fat coconut milk
1: Awesome. And then
2: lastly, let's just talk about supplements to support fasting. Sure. Well, and another meal that could be really great is just a salad with protein, you know, like your standard salad, protein, and get a good vinaigrette with fat. um, So your olive oil or avocado oil in there, and then you could even add nuts or seeds or uh, a good cheese in there or something like that. So supplements I mentioned the MCTs are really helpful and those are naturally in coconut oil. So I would recommend the uh, you know extra virgin coconut oil. I like Dr. Bronner's brand. I like Nadvita brand. Uh, we can link a couple of those in our notes. Um, MCT oil you can do as well, which is just a refined form of this. I just like to check that it is fully coconut derived versus coconut and palm palm oil derived i'm more of a fan of getting coconut oil because you're going to get the additional benefits of things like monolaurin and lauric acid so you get the antiviral antifungal benefits caprylic acid all of that in the full coconut oil versus in a refined mct oil you're not going to get that holistic benefit and that's where i really start with again Food is medicine and eating things in ide- ideally, their most identifiable whole food form. So coconut oil would be a huge one. Um, and then on a supplement supplement form, I definitely would recommend our boost and burn. So this has a combination of ribose, which helps with uh, supporting energy metabolism. And uh, it's really what's in our RNA, right? So it plays a big role with uh, DNA, cellular um, regeneration, and energy influence in the body. And then it has L-carnitine. And carnitine is the driver of our body's ability to use fat as fuel. So if you are already calorie restricting and time restricting, and you have some body fat that you want your body to be burning, optimizing your carnitine is one of the best places to start so the boost and burn is an awesome tool for that and some individuals use that ongoing and some use it just on their fasting days but it definitely helps to kind of churn that wheel of when already restricted the body's ability to functionally use fat to burn as fuel
1: awesome yeah that's a great supplement if we're dealing with any adverse effects of fasting or kind of Difficulty shifting into that ketogenic mode or keto flu.
2: Yeah. And I guess just in, I know we're going to wrap soon, but I want to just mention to people. So if it's intimidating for you, I I hope that at least today's episode just gives you the idea that don't eat when you're not hungry, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, be mindful and listen to your body. And if anything, shave off some of the hours of where you start and where you end eating. So if you're constantly doing an evening snack, then that's probably something to practice and at least switch that snack up to pure fat. So try like our key lime keto bites or try our strawberry cheesecake fat bombs or the pumpkin fat bombs and use higher fat during those times to create that satiety and teach the body that fat is a good primary fuel that's going to hold over cravings versus going for those naked carbs in the evenings which are going to drive more dysregulation of blood sugar and more of that insulin resistance and body fat storage so Teaching the body to use fat as fuel is great. And if any of this is intriguing to you, I highly recommend you check out on AllieMillerRD.com. Go over to Books and Programs. Click on our virtual ketosis program. And um, definitely strongly consider there's that coupon KETO. 2018, and you can get $50 off either the $199 or the $169 uh, class or the class with the bundle of the ebooks. And uh, I am sure we've had no negative feedback, only positive praises. And I'm sure that you too would get a lot of benefits of how your body can use fat as fuel.
1: Awesome, so I think we've covered a lot in terms of the basics of intermittent fasting. I know we'll probably do this again on a future episode, maybe get a couple of guests on on this topic. yeah, uh, so I that's think we all for today, yeah,
2: we didn't nerd out on uh, gluconeogenesis or <laughs> glycogen synthase and all those things. And um, I'll, I'll, spare, I'll spare that for next time around, guys. But thanks so much for tuning in. And if you have a moment, if you can uh, go over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and some uh, positive praises, it always helps to spread food as medicine with those that you love and um, help us to create viral movement of empowering ourselves with, with our food intake.
0: Thank you. For listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast, visit our blog at allymillerrd.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.